Welcome to The Reactive Entrepreneur. My name is Sunny and this is a weekly conversation where we break down the challenges as an entrepreneur, how we use tech such as JavaScript and React to transform our everyday life. What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode. Today I'm excited because it's going to be an insight into who I am and all about my story. So today I'm going to talk about pretty much how I went from, you know, never knowing how to write a single line of code before in my entire life all the way up until now and every single thing in between, right? The purpose of this podcast is to go ahead and show you how or have a conversation about how entrepreneurs like myself go ahead and react and overcome or even get to this position in the first place and how I used to call myself an entrepreneur um, without actually really knowing what that actually meant and how I compare it to now. So a little bit about me, right? My name is Sunny. I am Osani Sanga and I'm also known as Papa React on YouTube from the following that we've built. Okay, so all I pretty much do is I go ahead and teach React and React Native and a bunch of other cool tech around the JavaScript space on YouTube. And it's built out into what we have now uh, known as the Papa Fam. Okay, so I'm the CEO of the Papa Fam uh, and we have a massive six figure online community course called Zero to Full Stack Hero. Uh, I'm also a freelancer and advisor. However, I've taken that step a little bit down now and I kind of focus on the Papa Fam and growing the community to the biggest that it can possibly be. So let's talk about my background. So where did I start off, right? So I want this to be a kind of a casual conversation. I don't want it to be, you know, scripted. I want this to be a, you know, a very natural conversation with you guys. So I started coding when I was 16 and it was Java. And I remember uh, I had, you know, and I had an iPad and I went onto the iBook store and I actually went ahead and just, you know, I had a school project and I needed to code something and they were, they were teaching Pascal. I didn't want to use Pascal. Um, it was very dated. It was very cool. Introduced me to, you know, coding and all that stuff. But pa Pascal wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to go ahead and do. So I picked up Java, a, a book about Java. I actually still have it. I'll try and find the name of it. And uh, I literally went through the exercises. Now I did everything you can imagine. I pretty much went ahead and learned what a variable was and I learned how to make a loop and what how you you know go ahead and arrange something like an array and lists and coding and all that stuff and I just kept building and building and building until I eventually came to build something quite powerful um, so I started at 16 right I started at 16 that was my A levels in the UK and um, that was pretty much where my passion for coding began before that I was always into computers I just had no idea what I actually wanted to do right and that's led to where I'm at now. But let's rewind and go all the way back. So I'm 16. I've just, you know, started to learn how to code, kind of got into it. So I'm doing that for a year. And uh, as part of that project, I built out a, you know, a car parts application for my cousin. He had a, he had a warehouse where he was selling like car parts and all this stuff. And it was a legit big business that he was running in, in Kent. And um, Kent is a place in the UK. And he needed a, a, a like a software system. It was all paper-based. So I was like, okay, perfect. Now, did he actually use it? I don't think so. <laughs> it was more of a demonstration of what programming could do. But the main thing for me was, okay, this is a, you know, this is an example of why we can take a paper-based system and turn it into, you know, a cool project. And for me, honestly, it was just an excuse to get my hands coding from what I had learned to something pretty useful. So ended up self-teaching myself how to build a UI and how to go ahead and get, you know, things like a database integrated. 
And it was all through pretty much just, you know, messing around. It was all through, you know, like, you know, playing around with things and, you know, just figuring it out as I go. I remember I was saying it wasn't the fastest computer. Uh, it was actually super slow. It took ages. In Java, you have to compile your code. So that took ages, right? It wasn't fun in that sense, but it was so fun when my code worked. And that means when I literally had an array that printed out the letters zero to uh, the number zero to all the way to 100. I was so excited every single win. And I think that's a real key part of, you know, succeeding. You have to celebrate every single win. It doesn't matter if it's big, doesn't matter if it's small. I really, truly believe that's what's led to the success that we've had. And um, it really does get tough sometimes. And you have to constantly celebrate those small wins. Now, what did this lead to? Okay, so I smashed that coursework, done really well in that coursework. And then I remember the exam. Now, this was a period of my life where I was very confused. Um, I went through a bit of some, a bit of a tough time around that time. And I kind of, I flunked the exams, right? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had zero motivation. And I remember sitting in that car afterwards when I got my exam results. And I said to my mom, I was like, I, I have no idea what I want to do. You know, I, I just don't know. Um, and, and I really doubted everything, to be honest. I, I really kind of, you know, at that moment, I completely forgot that I was enjoying coding. You just, I was looking at everyone else around me. You know, everyone else around me knew what they wanted to do. They, they just had this idea, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to go and become an accountant. I want to do this, this, this. And I just had no clue, right? And, I, and it was staring at me in, in front of me the whole time. And my mom was like, you know, you, you love computers. Why don't you get involved and, you know, do something that you love and, and kind of like check, you know, like the universities that go through clearing and this and that because my grades went up to scratch. And that makes you feel pretty crap as it is because we're, you know, we're, we're kind of like taught or, or made to believe that your grades are what set everything in the rest of your life, right? And I really just, I agree if you go to school, you might as well just max out your grades. There's no benefit to not doing that. You should absolutely max out your grades. But if something comes up or, you know, if it doesn't go that way, don't think that that's the end of the line, right? That's the worst advice I think anyone could ever give you. There are a lot of, you know, multi-millionaires, billionaires even who absolutely flunked it at school, but they found their way nevertheless, right? Remember, school is a system which works for the majority, but there are a minority of people that actually work differently. I definitely found I was somebody that needed to kind of pave my own way and I wasn't good with sort of being spoon-fed knowledge i had to figure out my own way of learning and my own way of you know self-teaching myself now this led to me landing a position at a university okay and this university was the university of kent and i pretty much got into the computer science degree course over there there's an undergraduate and the funny part was i got on a conversation with the lecturer right so it was a head lecturer i went through clearing clearing is like you know when you don't get your grades but they still got spots available in the university and I said to him, I remember he was like, look, he called up and he was like, look, I'm sorry to say you don't have the grades. And I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I actually have quite a lot of coding experience. He's like, wait, you've coded before? Because, and I was quite shocked to hear that. So a lot of people that apply to university, they have never coded before and they, they're going for computer science. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I built this really cool app, you know, like I can, I, please, like I can send this over to you let me know and i'm happy to show a video and showcase it so that's what i did you know i literally sent over a little video to this email and i was like please just take a look at it and then he calls me back and he's like you know this is really impressive like usually we don't actually have a, you know any coding experience from our students when they come in but that's what the first year is for 
uh, I think you'd actually fit in really well. You'd probably find first year too easy. That's what he said. And, uh, and literally, but like you know, it, uh, he gave me a spot at the university. So shoot your shot because it worked for me then. Anyway, I got into university then. And crazy enough, my best friend was going to the same university. So we lived together. And the way that we have it in the UK is, you know, you have your £9,000 student tuition fee, which is expensive. And then you get a grant as well that's put on top of it. So you can pretty much, I requested the max because uh, I needed to in order to, you know, sustain myself at uni. And uh, I wasn't pretty much in a position where I could go ahead and just, you know, get paid for and all that stuff. So I just needed to go ahead and get that. That got me into uni. Now, uni is where pretty much I would say, let's kind of cut this down. The first year was too easy because I had coding experience before. So I actually turned that into an opportunity to, I done two things. I went on the extreme, right? I kind of went ahead and took students under my own, started teaching them how to code because, you know, everyone didn't like the way the lecturer was doing it. So I was like, oh, go on then. I, I enjoy coding. Here's how you can do it a lot easier. So I started actually teaching. One day I actually went to the lecturer and I remember I said, I was like, look, you're explaining it really confusing. And, and, and even I know how to do this, but you just aren't making this clear. Would you mind if I kind of, you know, come to the front of the lecture and I, and I just explain this? Because it wasn't out of me wanting to show off. It was really out of frustration because I wasn't a public speaking person at that time. I wasn't an introvert. I was definitely, you know, a social person. But I was getting so frustrated because I could see everyone struggling. And I was like this really isn't as tricky as she's making it out to be. And I went to the front and I literally just stood up and I was like, look, miss, I, I really would love to just show, you know, my explanation. Is that okay? She was like, sure. We've never had really students do that. So I came to the front of the class and I, uh, I went ahead and just started talking. And I, and then before you know, it, everyone was like, it makes sense. Wow. This is so much easier. Why, why didn't we do it this way? And then I got quite good friends with the lecturer. And before you know it, I was running workshops and workshops were pretty much where students would come in and the funny part was is I was a first year student and we had you know second year third year fourth year students coming in to these workshops asking for help with their coursework and I was just sitting there coding with them and then and I was getting paid 10 pound an hour from uh, the university itself uh, that actually led to my first kind of let's call it freelancing gig right so that was a freelancing gig where I started to get students under my own and they would basically, I remember I had a student called Arthur and uh, Arthur, so I have a friend called Arthur, but it was Arthur. And he pretty much said to me, and this guy was in his 30s. And I was obviously, you know, 18 year old, uh, coming straight <laughs> undergrad, fresher from first year. And I was literally teaching this guy who's 30 and above. And it's very intimidating, right? And he says to me, look, man, I love the way you teach. Can I please like book a one-to-one and you just help me out on your own time. Is that okay? And I, would, I had no idea about pricing. So I always get this question in my students. I was like, you know, how do you price a gig? And I was like, I have no idea. And I remember I was like, you know what, dude? I'm going to have to, you know, like, let's do it. Sure. And I just threw it out there. But a part of me was very hesitant. I was like, no. In, in my head, I was like, you know, no, I can't do that. You know, what the hell? And I remember calling my mom that night. And I was like, look, you know, I'm running these workshops. And they're going pretty cool. And I'm getting paid which is pretty cool. And she was like, that's really good. She was like, Sonny, why don't you teach it? And I was like, funny you say that because I actually got a student say to me, like, you know, he wants to do a one-on-one. And mom was like, you know, go for it. And it's funny because now I read books by like Grant Cardone and the, you know, the 10X movement and this and that. And it's all about, you know, take any opportunity and then figure it out, right? And this was funny because although I hadn't read these books back then, I felt like my mom was a very good mentor to me in that sense. And she was like, just take the opportunity and figure it out. 
And I did exactly that. And I started on, I think it was five pound an hour. And then literally, the more and more I kind of did this, the more confident I became in my ability to teach. The beginning was very nervous. It was like, you know, I couldn't really communicate well. And it was super hard to kind of, you know, get my message across as to what I was teaching. And it was very kind of like, you know, I'd find myself stuttering a lot and ums and ahs. And, you know, I didn't really know what to say. And then the more I did it, it just became more and more natural. And I found that I got way better at coding. And I was like, wow, this is like, a, you know, this is a hack. I'm getting way better at coding. I'm getting paid. Like, sh surely everyone should do this. And before you know it, I started to get more and more attention. Now, I got a lot more students that came to me. And, uh, and I realized it's no longer about the formalities. In the beginning, I was super formal. You know, I would literally be like, hi, oh, yes, let's book this time. Let's do this, that. And, I, and after a while, I was like, screw it, you know, like come to my room and, they literally used to come to my room. I literally was in my pajamas at times. And I was uh, I was <laughs> telling them, I was like, you're coming at two till three. I've got another guy coming five till six. Um, this girl's coming, you know, like one till two. And uh, yeah, that's three bookings today. And the more and more busy I got, I just naturally decided to increase my pricing because it was taking more effort. So it was a natural incline of pricing. And I started to charge, you know, 10 pound an hour, 20 pound an hour. When I had exams, I even went to 30 pound an hour because I was like, look, if I'm going to take out this time, I'm going to be benefited for it and I want to be paid for it. So that's how I kind of priced myself. And it actually led to me paying for myself at university. So that was huge. And it was pretty much the start of what I considered to be my freelancing career. Um, and anyway, fast forward to, let's say, second year, third year, uh, where I finished my degree. Uh, it was very tough. I'm not going to lie. It was a case of, you know, there was a lot of demand for, for to get that degree. And I wanted to get a first class because I hadn't done well in my levels. And I wanted to kind of prove to myself, I guess. Um, and I and I really put a lot of effort into into really, like, you know, trying to get that max grade. And I'm, I absolutely killed it in, at uni. I got 95 average percent and... Um, I got tons of other students, 95% average as well, which is a different story, but that was part of the freelancing, let's call it air quote gig. And uh, it was a, a success in that case, right? So it went very well. I, I, I did what I needed to do to get my grade. And then after I finished uni, I was like, wow, you know, like I'm unstoppable. Wow, this is crazy. I've got a first class degree. And, you're, and this is why I say uni is a bubble. It really is a bubble. It, they teach you to think that that is the key to success in the future now i'm not saying it's not and i'm not being negative negative or anything like that but i would definitely say just don't be naive in that approach and what i would mean by that is my immediate thinking was okay i've got the degree if i get the masters and then i'm immune, like i'm just going to be unstoppable in the marketplace i'm, I'm going to go out i'm going to get a job and everything so i was like perfect let's get the masters so i signed up for the hardest masters at university of kent which was uh, I decided to stay there. I really liked it. And they had two campuses. The second master's was at the other campus. Uh, and my best friends were doing a four-year course. So I was actually with them for my fourth year again. So it worked out very good. And it just happened by chance. And I decided to do that. And I got an advanced computer science degree. And it had some AI and machine learning. I thought that would be pretty cool. So I did it. I did a year postgrad, even harder than my undergrad, as you can imagine. And uh, it taught me a lot about discipline and this and that. But again, during all of these four years, it was all self-taught, mentoring, teaching, that freelancing gig that I mentioned. That Actually, like really when I break it down, that's what took me to becoming a good coder. If I actually look at the modules 
that I was learning at uni, it wasn't those things that were kind of, you know, taking me to the point of where I am today. It was really me sitting in the room and kind of just taking my kind of, you know, excitement for these little projects that I was doing on the side and teaching and all this kind of creative stuff that just came from as a side effect. That was what actually led to me becoming a better developer and actually led to the sort of, you know, what, what I ended up doing after that. So I came out of uni as a postgrad. Again, got a first class with distinction. I even got a couple of certificates for best dissertation, best thesis. So I was super proud, right? My mom, everyone was super happy. I was very proud of myself. And I was like, and I took it as a, you know, I came from a single parent household. I don't know what it was, but like, obviously I, I felt like I had to prove myself for some reason. And, and uh, this kind of, you know, goes down a different path, but I had to prove myself. That's what I felt like I, you know, I had to prove like my ability to eventually support my family. That was a, a core, you know, sort of thing for me that I had to kind of, make it happen one way or another and then and that was a big challenge and battle for me in terms of anxiety and getting through uni so we we graduate we get past the undergrad we get past the postgrad at this point I come out of uni and i'm thinking wow you know like i'm not even thinking about the debt the university student debt i'm thinking like okay i've got a first class everything i maxed it i've, I've crushed it now i'm gonna get a wicked paying job and it's gonna all work out from here go into the market get my cv done i have a really nice two-page cv and i'm like you know well, like it's just got all these accolades and you know first class this and first class that and you know got this award and this award and blah 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 and rejection 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 i just kept getting rejected and uh this is where it was just it was it was really so crushing right it was really like a tough tough time and uh i i was just like what is going on like what is happening that what am i doing wrong here like and and i remember every single interview i went to i just didn't have the experience that's what i kept hearing you know you don't have experience in a real environment and i was like but I, how do you expect me to get it if i can't get my first job i just don't understand how i can bridge that gap and i and i feel like a lot of students listening to this you know anyone listening to this who's getting into this space you're going to know exactly what i'm talking about um, so hopefully this will become useful for you. Now, I kept getting rejected and uh, and nothing was appealing to me that was being offered. And I was like, and I, and I really was so crushed at this point, right? And uh, it was getting really tricky. And I remember saying to myself, I was like, I, I just, I, I really don't know how to get past this point at this point. And I was like banging my head against the table. Now, during all of this time, I remember I started a YouTube channel I started a YouTube channel and I was like, I really like have a vision of just being able to take this like enjoyment and passion and really turn it into something else. Like to the point where I had this excitement and I remember following this guy, Christian Guzman, fitness influencer on YouTube. And this guy motivated me, inspired me to really kind of go out there and just be the best, right? Because he did that and he was making me hit the gym way harder than I ever hit it, just by watching his videos. So I was like, I want to have this effect on other people. And I started a YouTube channel and it wasn't doing that great. I mean, it barely got any views. And, uh, but I enjoyed it so much. I remember picking up that camera and I was like, this is so fun. And my cousin literally bought me my first little camera and, uh, cause he believed in me and he was like, it was sunny life. You're going to do this. Just like, you know, let me help you out. And he bought me a camera and I, uh, I started shooting content and it was like, you know, I only released a couple of videos. I even had a Rubik's cube where I showed you how to do it. And that was on my, that's even on my YouTube channel today. 
And that was so fun for me. And I realized, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get rejected from all these places. Then, you know, I'm going to build my own thing. I'm going to build my own startup company. And I started to look around and I was like, you know, let me look for a co-founder. Let me try and not do this alone. Let me do this because I want to do the YouTube thing alone. But I want to do this maybe, you know, with someone else and make this an experience. So I went on to this app and uh, what was the app called? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find that name and maybe you'll hear me about it and, and you know, you'll hear about it in a, in a future podcast. But I used one of these apps and basically it was like a, a, a startup CEO Tinder. So you put on your profile and you say what you want to build, you know, what you're looking for. Are you looking for a CEO or you're looking for a co-founder or investor or angel investor, whatever the case. I put on there that, you know, I'm a, I'm a techie developer and I'm looking to start a company, looking for co-founders. And I swiped upon Tom and Tom messaged me and he said to me, he was like, yo, like I've got a wicked idea and you're a developer. Maybe we can work together. And I was like, oh, sick. <laughs> I was like, you know, and I, at this point, I'm just editing YouTube videos, messing around. And I actually was working in this little side job um, at the NHS, which is the National Health Service. And my sister got me. And this was a job doing like IT work. I was fitting computers, which was imagine like, you know, this is why I say you just have to grind through it. Right. I mean, like, don't you think I was complaining? I was like fitting these computers and this is like typical IT stuff where you're just fitting a monitor and stuff for the, you know, for the NHS. And I was like, what the hell, man? I did four years and I'm doing this. But then it humbled me and I was like, it's money and it's going to help me pay for the things that I want to do. So I, I, you know, I sucked it up and I was like, you're going to do this. And while I was doing this, I went ahead and did the YouTube and then I met Tom through this app. So Tom was like, you know, I was like, where are you? Where are you at, Tom? Like, are you in the UK? Are you in London? Where are you at? He said, yeah, man, I'm over in London somewhere. And I can't remember where he was from. But he said to me, he's like, let's go for a drink in Westfield. And I was very close to Westfield. So I remember saying to Tom, I was like, you know, 100% man, let's actually do that. Right. So I, and I remember I was I was like crapping myself. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm going to go meet some random person from this app. It felt the whole thing felt shady to me. But I was like. I really want to do this dream. Like I want to build like an app and I'm sick and tired of getting rejected and I know I can code and don't get me wrong. My code quality was crap back then, but you're going to always feel that that cycle happens. Even now you look back at code and you'd be like, you know, I could have done that about that's a natural cycle. So don't be off put by that. Um, so I go to Westfield and I meet Tom and Tom's, you know, we met at the place called Las Iguanas, which is like a, a kind of like a tapas, you know, food, drink bar, like kind of thing. And we met up and it was very casual. I remember seeing him. I was like, yo, what's up, man? Good to meet you and stuff. And he's an older guy. I think he was in his 30s. And, uh, and obviously I'm like, I think I was 21 at the time, 22 maybe. And uh, I, I said, yo, like, what's up? Let's, let's sit down. And, we, you know, we ordered a couple of drinks and we just kind of chatting away. He had this idea. And this was crazy because now this idea is actually being used everywhere. So we kind of had this original, you know, seed of an idea. And the idea was like, you know, a drinks ordering app. So you can go to a bar or anywhere you want, scan the QR code and you can order drinks. And the app, we decided the name eventually would become Tipple. And Tipple is a traditional sort of, you know, English word for like a, having a drink. I think that's where it originated from. And I was like, yo, that's a pretty cool app. And... I was like, I can code. So maybe I can like, you know, I can do the dev side of it. And he was a recruiter, but he had a very open personality. He's very good with his words. And he had like a lot of experience in, you know, persuasion and sales and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, this is great. I have no idea about that stuff. 
but you have no idea about the tech. So I can handle the tech, you can handle that. And I was more of a back-end dev. So I took on this, you know, I was very nervous. I was like, I have no idea how to make this app look pretty, but we sat there with a piece of paper and we just drew out rough ideas of what we, you know, what we could do. And he had a you know, pen and paper with him. Anyway, we started a partnership. Literally there and then we shook hands and we said, let's form a startup company. And uh, we started to move with paperwork. We literally, you know, we created, formed a company called Tipple Limited. And uh, we literally started at that point from Las Iguanas and things started to move in motion. And it moved very slowly in the sense of like, you know, I came up with, I used whatever I could. I started to mock up screens and figure it out. I remember speaking to one of my other mates, Abhishek, uh, and he was like, you know, I said to him, I was like, yo, what are you up to, man? He was like, Sonny, I think you would really love to look at something called React. And I, because I explained the idea of this new startup. And he was like, I was like, oh, you know, let me have a look at that. And honestly, I just started playing with React. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, this is, this is game changer. What is this? And I loved the idea of component-based designs and what it could do for me. So I went to Tom and I was like, Tom, this is sick. I have a perfect way of doing this. Now, my front end was weak at the time, but I was like, look, man, I'll figure this out, right? You handle your stuff. And we started to work with like Trello boards and, you know, kind of any workflow that we could do, Google Docs, whatever tool we could use, we started to use it. Now, we started to make this work for us, right? So... Uh, he started to arrange meetings with certain people and I was pretty much building this app. It took me ages to build this app, six months in fact, right? Because I was just, I had work as well and all sorts of stuff. Now, when I say work, I was still teaching students on the side, right? Now, when we kind of pursued this, I said to Tom, I was like, look, man, I'm going to be real with you. My front end sucks. I don't know how to push real good front end stuff, right? And he said to me, I was like, right, you know what? Like, how would you feel if we brought on a third co-founder and that could be maybe a front-end dev and then you guys can work together and do this you know build this out and I was skeptical I was very much like you know this is already 50 50 and I was like you know that's gonna be 33 percent and it's gonna be more people involved fast forward we pretty much went ahead and we started taking interviews right we went back on this app carried on swiping through and we started taking interviews for people we had no one that really hit now during this time I was actually, you know, demonstrating my app that I was building to employers. And I had a conversation with a startup company called Birdie. And this was my first ever job, actually. And I showed them the app. And I was like, yeah, we have this app. And bear in mind, we actually, by this point, I had built enough of the app to submit to Y Combinator, right? And Y Combinator was like a startup incubator. You might have heard of it. It's huge. We got rejected from them, but the experience was great. And I still used that video and I showed that to the employer. Now, when I had an interview with those guys, the conversation changed. It wasn't the typical, what are your skills? What can you do? Can you do this, this, this and whiteboarding? I changed it. I was like, look, man, I've been rejected from so many places. I have got some skills. I'm like, they're not the best, but I can build this. And this is what I've done so far. I had a degree, you know, I thought that would get, I was just so real. I threw it all on the table and I was like, you know, I don't have like a lot of time to waste. Like I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to get out of here and I just got sick and tired of rejection. So I went ahead and built my own app. They were extremely impressed by that, right? To the point where they just literally called me up the next day and they were like, yo, that was impressive. The tip app is very impressive. The fact is that you can carry on building your app, but we'd love to kind of bring you on our team. And that was my first job offer. And I was like, whoa, Tom, I just got a job offer. This is crazy. And that was a 26k salary and i was super happy and i was like wow man i was like you know 
I'm going to balance this while I build this startup with you, man. And uh, this is where it gets even more crazy. It was based in a building called Rocket Space. Now, Rocket Space is like one of those shared office spaces, like the massive buildings in London. And um, it was one of those kind of hipstery environments where you have loads of startups in this massive building. Really cool environment because you're surrounded by, you know, different, you know, you're surrounded by all these different companies. You get to chat to all these different developers solving all kinds of problems, CEOs, CTOs, all this stuff. Amazing experience, right? And you get all these like bear hours and all sorts of stuff dog in the office you know the usual stuff that you hear in these sort of you know in the films you see it was, it was very much like that and um what was crazy is that we found a co-founder and his name was andrew right and i remember me and tom met him at a, a cafe in london and we were like yo so this is what we're gonna do and he was like yeah i can you know i'm an angular dev so he had done a lot of angular work but he was like you know i'm like this sounds pretty cool and i'm pretty good with front end and I said, look, I can teach you what I know about React. And I was like, where do you work? And he was like, Rocket Space in Angel. And I was like, no way. I work there too. I was like, I'm in that building too. So he literally worked in the same building as me. So we literally would meet up at lunch. We, by the way, we took him on board as the third co-founder, uh, which is a huge leap, right? So things are moving at this point. And we took him on board. And then, yeah, like every lunch, I'd be meeting up with him and then, Things started to move. He helped me improve the UI and we eventually had this fully formed app. Meanwhile, Tom's securing clients and we get a first ever client. And be, meanwhile, by the way, I'm actually, you know, onboarding at my first job and I'm doing all this stuff and learning while I'm there and getting mentored and so forth. So it was very good, much go, go, go. Super exciting. I had my, you know, full-time job. I was teaching students on the side in my, you know, like in the evening hours. But it was a very much of a hustle sort of period of my life where, I, it was my first experience of a kind of a hustle mentality where lunchtime I'd be meeting up with Andrew in the can, you know, because we both shared this canteen area. So we'd be sitting there having coffees whenever we got a chance. We'll still be messaging each other during work hours, like, yo, I built this out, check it out, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd be doing design work and all that. And we, you know, he taught me a lot about how to use GitHub and how to push code because I was useless in the beginning of doing that. And um, it was it was really cool, man. And I remember like I was, I was like going back and forth with, with the company and stuff. And I remember Tom calls us up and he's like, guys, I've got our first client. And I was like, no way. And if you check out my Instagram, Sanga, you'll see if you scroll all the way to the right on the highlights, you'll see when we first actually launched our, um, our, our company. And it was Atypical and it was exciting, right? Nanny Bills was our first customer. And this customer was like, uh, I remember <laughs> the funny part is we launched and I used my own iPad. I gave it to them to put in the kitchen and we immediately realized the client our expectation of what we think the client wants is way different to what their client actually wants so we went there they you know they started to use the app in the store and they literally started to take payments and all sorts of stuff and we had a production fail as in like there was errors and i remember i was literally sitting there with a beer inside nanny bills the restaurant um, so it wasn't actually their restaurant. They were like kind of this kind of food chain that they, they kind of based themselves in other restaurants. It was kind of a weird setup. But I was sitting there with a beer, with some food that they gave on the house. And Tom and Andrew are sort of, you know, helping me out. And we're coding and I'm literally deploying to production while people are using the app and solving bugs on the spot. And this was all after work. This is about six o'clock. And we stayed until 10, about 10, 30, 11 and bear in mind, I had work the next day. <laughs> so it was, and I had to get, get home and all that stuff. It was a grind, right? We fixed it, forced me to fix problems that I had no comfort in doing, right? 
So we got past all of this and it worked. And we got loads of feedback. We kept on iterating on the idea. We changed the entire UI to make it friendly for the bar staff. And we kept pursuing this idea. Now, I'll go into the story a bit more in a different maybe podcast, but the bottom line was we kept pushing this idea, but we felt so much resistance. There was, you know, there's not enough, like there's not enough reception in your venues. There's not enough. Bear in mind, there was no 5G at this point. So that completely changed the space when 5G got introduced. And at that point, we... It, it, it led to a dead road after several months of trying we went to universities we had our own intern from university of kent and we had loads of stuff moving it didn't lead anywhere in the end and eventually it led to the three of us parting ways now it was an amazing experience those guys are awesome andrew and tom and i always keep in touch with them right andrew i see on strava doing his runs while i'm running as well tom i always keep in touch with on linkedin it's really nice right it was an awesome experience and I really thought that was one of the most, it, it taught me, it grew, I grew as a massive, you know, I grew as a person in that experience, as a developer, as a person, my social skills came out, it taught me a lot about, you know, when you're excited for a project, you really don't have any limit on the energy that you expend towards it, so it was huge, that landed my first job, right, so 26k, I started to, then I stayed at my job, now I started to kind of, you know, after six months, made best friends with uh, one of the senior devs, Artur. He taught me a lot about, you know, DevOps and this and that. Now I said to him, I was like, man, how do you do this? Like, do you mind if I just shadow you, right? And I basically sat next to him, you know, in his free time. And then we became really good friends. I even keep in touch with him now. Now I pretty much shadowed him and sort of on all the release cycles because we were building a web app and also an iOS and Android app for this company and they had to release to the app store now he was the one who did that so i watched him figured out how to do all of it as well and then it came to a point where he was leaving and i said to uh, my manager at the time i was like look man i was like i would love a raise and i was at 26k and i pushed to 35k which is a pretty big push really and the only reason why i did that is because i said i can handle the stuff that he's doing so for them it's a big save um, and then I could slide in there and save them a bit of money. I'd get paid a lot more. So I took over a lot of that stuff as well. Now I'm a junior dev at this point, you know, junior mid moved pretty quick and I was taking mentorship from every single person I could, right? Benefits was really cool and a lot of stuff happened. Now, after a while, I kept pushing, pushing, pushing. It didn't work out at that place, right? So it was 35K and I was barely there for, I think it was just, just under a year. So a six month mark, I pushed to 35 and then I kind of, you know, you know, I was going back and forth and it didn't work out there. Right? I kind of pushed for more money and they were saying, you know, we can't justify. And I was like, you know, I'm really doing, busting myself here. And I was like, if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to look elsewhere. And in the end of the day, what decided, what ended up happening was um, they actually, so it was funny because I was actually planning to leave the company, right? I had, I had decided to actually interview elsewhere. I had an interview with Tesco lined up. And then I remember going into the office room and speaking to my manager one day and he's like, look, I don't think it's going to work out with you and the team. And I was like, this is, this is funny because I was very pushing on sort of, you know, improvements and advancements. I didn't like where the team was going. They got another round of funding. The team expanded and I felt the developers coming in. There was a lot of arrogance in that team. Didn't like it. And we parted ways. And I moved over to Tesco. I had an interview with Tesco, completely smashed the interview, 60K salary, benefits, health packages, everything. But it was a corporate environment from the startup environment. So not only did I shock the old guys who pretty much 
they messaged me afterwards saying, whoa, that's a, that's a jump. And, and there was a software engineer developer level two, it's called. And uh, they knew exactly what the pay range for that was. And they were like, wow, okay, fair play. You know, you, you did what you said you were going to do. I worked in the corporate environment, Tesco. It's like the Walmart of the UK, right? It's big, big shopping, retail kind of, you know, food, food market, I guess. Right? And it was, it was interesting, put it that way. So I saw how the big guys do it. I saw how everyone works over on that side of things. It was corporate though. And this is what I want to go back to. It was really a different pace. Startup environments are like, you know, you go, 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 go. Corporate is very slow. It's extremely slow, in fact. And I couldn't deal with it. So I think it was after six months. I ended up getting a raise after, uh, after I think it was four months. And then, and again, this is what I'm saying. Keep pushing for those raises. Don't stay settled. And then after eight months, or I think it was eight, nine months, I started to look elsewhere. And I was like, you know, this, this is too slow. Like, if I don't do any work, I'm not even going to get in trouble. It's that kind of slow. And I was pushing big time and I made loads of friends, jumped into all sorts of teams and, you know, conferencing events and stuff. And I spoke to these other guys. And this was a company based in St. Albans called Linda Media. And they were offering a 75K package. Now, I had other packages that were offering 90K at this point in London. But I wanted to get away from London for a bit because I'd worked in London for about two and a half years. And I hated the commute. And I was like, I'd rather drive to a workplace, you know, or I'd rather have a bit of a remote work condition. So rather than taking the 90K, I took the 75K remote, semi-remote gig in St. Albans. That was kind of like a, about a 45-minute drive for me in the morning. About an hour, actually. didn't take that back. And it was because of the traffic at times. But I was in my car. I was in comfort. And it was, it was a lot nicer. So 75K package out. The reason why I took that over the 90K, I was able to do a lot more remote working. This was an awesome company. Again, back to the startup environment. It was a company called Mr. Q. They did like a gambling sort of style company. Really awesome mentorship there. Honestly, one of the best teams I've ever worked with. Um, Savas, the C, the sort of you know the managing director. He was awesome. Um, we have uh, Julian, who was the CTO. An incredible guy. Really wicked personality. And then I had George, the front end dev, and he was incredible with React. He was one of the best developers I've ever met in my life. Now, I became really good friends with the entire team. We'll play, you know, Call of Duty after work and all sorts of stuff. And while I was doing this, I was handling a freelancing side hustle. So I was not only teaching students like I was before at an increased rate, right? So I was literally even, I even had some like youngsters that I was teaching around the corner locally. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to charge them a lot. But they, I had very good relationship with the parents and they, I was teaching their kids how to code. And I also had online students, university students. And in addition, in addition to that, I had a couple of freelancing gigs through LinkedIn. So this was the point where I passed the six-figure mark. So it's 2075K on my salary, and that was about easily more than 25K in terms of freelancing. So I finally passed that six-figure mark. And you know, you expect like this, this, you know, like this fireworks to go off in your head when that happens. And it doesn't really work like that. Like one, you get taxed on your income, especially in the UK. And two, it's like, you know, this is why I really, I read a book called Atomic Habits and it's all about how goal setting is kind of destructive for your progression. Because like, again, if you set a goal of 100K, once you hit it, you're kind of like, oh, uh, okay, like now what? You know, like your motivation kind of kind of weirdly dies and you're like, oh, I've already hit now. Like, what do I do? And I hit, well, I guess 150. And then you realize that this stuff doesn't buy you the happiness that you thought it was going to get you. Um, 
But I, I decided to kind of, you know, I kept pushing with the freelancing. Now, came to a point where I just remember, let's, let's go back to that initial dream that I had, the YouTube dream, because I wasn't YouTubing at this point, because I was doing all this other stuff. And I was like, that brought me real happiness. You know, like, I really did enjoy it. So what I did is I used this opportunity with the company. I was very transparent with them. Right? I told them about plans and all sorts of stuff. I made really good friends with George, my mentor, so my front end dev senior. And uh, we went to Facebook conference together. We took a bunch of, you know, like uh, lunch breaks and all sorts of stuff. We'd always go on walks and stuff and just chat about stuff. I remember bringing the idea across to him. I was like, George, I've got an opportunity to join a YouTube team. And at this point, it was Clever Programmer. And I was like, you know, it's a wicked opportunity for me. And I really always want to push a YouTube space, break out of this environment and kind of, you know, just go and do something completely different. And I can't wait to, like, it makes me excited. And he was like, you know, if you've got an opportunity like this, take it. And he was like, you know, this guy's getting paid like big bucks. And and he had like all this kind of experience from before. And he was telling me, you know, it's like, oh, go ahead, man, just take it. You know, like if you're going to get this experience, worst thing you can do is you can come back. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world. And the company offered that to me. They said, you know, when I, when I put it across the company, they were super sad that I was going, but I was very transparent. I said, I have an opportunity and I really want to take it. And I would love like, you know, just your support in that movement. And they were awesome. I didn't expect how supportive they would have been, but it was really nice to have that support. And I went over and pretty much took a leap of faith. I went from, you know, I contacted Kazi at the time and uh, I started working with him. And then I transitioned and I took a leap and there was overlap while I was doing it. Uh, and then I took a leap of faith and I kind of went full time with Clever Program. I started pushing YouTube. And then obviously a lot of people know me from Clever Programmer and that's where my name Papa React came from. So I was using, you know, I was pretty much like on YouTube and I was uh, using that name Papa React to kind of, you know, push content on Clever Programmer and live builds and all this other stuff. Now, I would say, you know, this was one of the eye-opening moments for me, right? Because it was, it was scary, it was exciting. We had a pretty awesome team in Clever Programmer. Um, a lot of things to consider though, right? So one, I grew massively as a person when I was doing live streams because in the beginning I was super shy, right? Going live on YouTube, it's scary. My financials were also kind of taking a hit from what I was getting before as a, at that salary. Um, and then I became, you know, I slowly moved up with the team. Well, very quickly I actually moved up with the team and we started doing big events together. Now this was awesome, but there was a sort of turning point for me where you know, the team was great. No sort of, you know, no bad feud with anyone. I don't know, you know, what people hear and stuff. But for me, it was just, again, it goes back to that vision of just helping people and, you know, providing an unfair amount of value. And I didn't feel it was the right platform. I felt like it gave me exposure. I learned so much about, you know, how to push, you know, like if you have, you know, a course or a community that you want to push, how to push it and how to actually be heard on the internet and and how to actually influence in the right way and that was a kind of a starting point for me for this journey um and then i took a massive scary leap of faith and i said to myself i was like look you know this is this journey has been crazy so far you've done things which you never thought you would have done you got to that limit you know that mark before you thought you would have ever got to that mark the six figure mark and i was like it's not about the money it's about the purpose now right? The purpose is what you're going for. And I said to myself, I was like, look, okay, you've got a little road, like a, a runway, you call it, where you basically got a bunch of money in the bank. And that runway will last you X number of months 
that you can sustain yourself when you take a leap of faith, right? So when you go for your own business venture, I had a couple of months, right? And I was like, you know, I wasn't the best with money before and I could have had way more savings. And I, and I, and I, but anyway, the point was, is I had a couple of months runway. I said to myself, I, I have to do this. So I, 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 you know, I spoke to the team and I was like, look, I'm going to pursue my own thing and parted ways. And I started the, my own YouTube channel again, right? So I still had the YouTube channel from before, but I started pushing content and I, it was December 25th. And I said to myself, I was like, you know, I called Jay, one of my best mates. And I was like, look, man, I'll start something big. And I went ahead and, you know, I, I, it's 25th of December, Christmas day. And I said, I'm starting on the 26th. Right. And I remember Christmas day, I was sitting there writing things down. 26th, I started hustling. I started working nonstop and I would use anything and everything you know, all the different, we started on Google Docs firstly, and then I obviously learned a lot while I was at Clever Program about, you know, where I can host my course and stuff like that. And I used a platform called Kajabi. And I pushed so hard on Kajabi for six days, five or six days, and I just didn't stop working. Like I remember in the house, my mom, she didn't even see me for, you know, six days, five days. And it was, it was huge. I was, you know, I wasn't sleeping much. I was so excited that fire was back. And I was like, this is an indicator that I know exactly that I'm on the right path. Meanwhile, <laughs> at this point, I'm with uh, my girlfriend, Mabon, and, uh, you know, she's supporting me. And it's scary for her as well, you know, because obviously you've got a future linked to a lot of these decisions and you're risking a lot of it when you do this jump. Like the runway that I'm burning through, that's going to be scary towards the future growth, right? So uh, there's a, there has to be a huge amount of trust there. So she's supporting me massively through it. And it came to December 30th and I said to you, I was like, look, he was working with me at the time. You know, he wasn't even asking for any money, just as a friend. And we did a huge launch, right, where basically it would be my kind of introduction to the audience as like, you know, this is my own path that I'm pursuing. And I've got a course and community zero to full stack hero where I'm going to teach you all how to go from absolutely zero skills all the way to, you know, becoming a full stack dev. Right. And in this case, zero to full stack hero. Right. So you're going to be a full stack hero. Then you join this community and you're not going to be alone. The whole purpose of it was to combat all of the struggles to make it transparent that, you know, all of these struggles that I faced, you can, you know, you would have, you're not alone in that journey because really hard part about, you know, becoming a successful dev was battling those things, thinking that you're alone, thinking that, you know, you're just not good enough and having that kind of constant, um, you know, imposter syndrome is like, I'm in a position right now that I shouldn't be in because I'm not smart enough. And we did it and it was very natural. And I did a five day challenge where pretty much we built like a, a huge app. And, uh, and then I went on to, um, you know, at the end of it, I pretty much said to the entire world, I was like, yeah, this is the, this is the community that I'm launching. And the support was huge. Bear in mind, I had one-on-one -on -one clients before, that I was working with and I had built huge trust with my audience through Clever Programmer, through uh, LinkedIn, through one-on-one -on -one clients. Um, and I was getting, you know, people to, to kind of like, you know, testify to say, you know, this is, you can trust Sunny and it works well. And, and to be honest, I thought that was how I'd have to do it. But just being honest, just being honest and true and saying, I'm building this out. You know, there is going to be like a membership fee because I want to do this full time to, to provide value to you that worked amazing and it and it blew up and i was like wow and we just started and i said to you i was like look man i'm gonna need your help full time on this and this was a very scary conversation right 
the fear of hiring my first employee it was it's the responsibility of taking on another person's wages that was extremely scary and i remember he was also he was also a really good friend of mine so i was like if i go ahead and link financials to him now is that going to screw up our friendship you know is this going to mess things up and also when you've come all this way through this journey right it's very scary to finally have your kind of like your baby at the end of it right your your product your community your sort of heart and soul has gone into this thing and to let other people contribute to it that takes a lot as well right you have to kind of open up your kind of heart to that and say like you know i'm i'm and this is what i'd say i found was a big mistake of mine from early days when i had a startup i didn't let anyone touch it i was like no i can't even tell people about this is mine it's going to be a million dollar idea it's mine and that's the wrong mentality right you should always get rid of the scarcity mindset there's enough to go around for everyone and you shouldn't you know if you want to grow to huge massive levels then you have to you know bring a team in you have to work with others because you by yourself are limited by the number of hours that you can perform a task right but the amount you can dedicate to the company if you really love it as much as you say you do you should invest in it right and that means bringing on team that means bringing in constantly upgrading your equipment doing the things that you need to do this brings a lot of anxiety right so i had huge you know i like this is this part that people don't really talk about a lot it was really tough kind of doing this whole journey right so obviously we did several launches afterwards um where we pretty much you know we, we it's, it's like cohorts for bringing in students and kind of opening the doors to the community and running massive events that you kind of you know you draw in your students so that way your community grows and you can get stronger and stronger as a community stronger and stronger you constantly improve the product and again remember from the first startup idea where i said that our expectation of what we think what, what is what the end customer client student wants is very different from what they actually want so i took a different approach and I was like, I'm going to listen to the students. Do the students want more success coaches? Do the students want more coaching calls? Do the students want more, you know, content? What do they want? And I'm going to do that. Whatever they say, I don't, I'm not, you know, the, a leader or anything like that. I'm working for them. And same for my employees, right? Or like, you know, Jay, who's works with me, my partner. And I said to him, I was like, look, my mindset behind the scenes is I, he does not work for me. I work for him. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm always going to do whatever I can do and all the energy that I need to do to make his job easier and make everyone else in the community happier. Right. And then that rewards you in ways that you just don't imagine. You get a lot of loyalty. You get a lot of happiness. Everyone is happy at the end of that. Right. As opposed to going in a hierarchical approach. I've never liked it. That's why I didn't like corporate. Right? I like to start because everyone sits on the same, you know, on the same floor, looks at each other. In fact, going back to my first company that I joined, the thing I loved that the CEO did, he walked in the room with everyone and he would literally shake your hand in the morning. He would shake every single person's hand, say, good morning, Sonny. Good morning, you know, David. Good morning, everyone. And he would literally go around and his name was Max, an awesome guy, right? And I was like, whoa, you know, like the CEO's chick, man, it's, it's pretty cool. And it just, it crushes this kind of elimination that the CEO is higher, CTO is higher. It's just flat hierarchy. And that is awesome to have because then you build as a company. And I saw massive advancements in that company compared to a corporate company where you've just got these levels where you just don't feel like you can progress. You don't feel like you can take risks and stuff. So I took the same approach when starting my company. And I found... All of this stuff, you know, again, like I said, came with anxiety, right? It was very difficult to sleep. One, because I was excited, but two, also, 
you have a lot of responsibility and this is things like again it's not talked about a lot i use things like headspace so daily meditation um i even actually back at uni started you know therapy and counseling for you know like that thing i mentioned before about you know proving myself i kind of had to go through uh i remember one day it got to a point where it really took a toll on me and i thought you know this is enough is enough i'm gonna go ahead and swallow my pride and ego and just go and get some counseling done and i remember i went and spoke to this counselor and, and the first thing i did was start talking and, and i was like ah, this this stuff's you know it's rubbish it doesn't work and i couldn't believe how much came out of my mouth right i was like wow you know there's so much that i had to say that i just didn't think i had to say and uh so i took that quite seriously after that and i had a counselor throughout pretty much the years uh and you just have a weekly conversation right you just have a conversation chat you know catch up and it's it's a very healthy thing to do i think and i think there's a big stigma around you know especially men going to counselors uh, and not being sort of you know mentally stable and this and that and i think that's rubbish i think you should really put that forward in mental health and that helped me quite a lot and in fact in on top of that uh, i was open about that with my girlfriend mabon uh, my current girlfriend mabon um so she's been awesome and uh she supported me like hugely throughout this sort of transition and she knew that i was in counseling and headspace and she would you know she even sent me a little book and it's like 10 little practices that you can do to i think it was 10 little practices that you can do to go ahead and you know reduce your stress in, in your workplace it was super cute and i remember like i remember there's a point where i was launching the course and i just i got so freaked out at one point i just sat there reading that book i was like it's actually pretty good you know it, it helped out quite a lot um so obviously that led to kind of you know all of those things together led to the success that we have today and it was it's crazy it's a journey i went from this broke university student to you know kind of slowly graduating on the levels you know first job second job third job freelancing this that hitting a milestone that you thought was everything and then realizing it's not and then realizing it's all about pa- purpose right passion and purpose find the thing you find naturally excites you and then everything else falls into place. If you just follow money, it's never going to work out in you being happy. It's going to result in in either like debt or you feeling stressed out 24/7. It's not the way you want to go. And that's the thing that I would lead to now when you make some money, learn and educate yourself on how to invest it. Uh this is something I did when I first started the company. I wish I did it earlier, honestly. I wish I kind of, you know, educated myself on how to, you know, actually make your money work for you. Rich Dad Poor Dad, amazing book. Really would recommend it if you have no idea on where to begin. And uh, I started investing. You know, high dividend yield accounts like REITs, so they're real estate investment trusts. A lot of family always say, you know, what, get into real estate, and I'm like, yeah, but with what? With what money? Like real estate costs a lot in the UK. So instead, you can invest in you know real estate investment trusts, which pay out a high dividend yield, which are way more than a savings account, and those will return, let's say, eight nine percent. a year annually and paid out in quarters whereas a savings account barely you know percent 3% something like that it doesn't even keep up with inflation so your money's rotting in the savings account whereas at least in the um the the REITs you're going to go ahead and you know make a bit of money and obviously there's risk in anything right don't go into anything naive but that was something which was huge for me i also took a you know i invested in companies i believed in tesla uh, shopify a lot of these other companies i was constantly trying to level up and evolve right so it was huge and um that really kind of helped my money grow and prosper and i was able to do really awesome things 
like uh, help my mom out you know actually that was the mo- honestly that was the moment it wasn't hitting 100k plus that was saying that you know you're good enough it was actually the response that i got for you know putting value back into the world and and the response that i got from the audience and the you know our students and everyone that watches on youtube all of those positive comments and everyone saying that you know wow you've helped me get a job you've changed my life and and the, a lot of these are you know some a lot of people are actually from third world countries where it really does change their life like in a huge way and i get pictures sent over to me i get you know long essays and I, i've jumped on calls with some of these people and it's crazy and i'm like wow i had that effect on you so going back to the first initial thing when i picked up that youtube you know that camera that my cousin said you know do it you know and, and i was like and i remember having that dream when i was watching those christian guzman videos and i was like that's insane i would love to have that effect on people that he that guy has an effect on me where i feel like i need to step up and you know i need to get off my ass and do some some something crazy and now it's awesome that i have that effect on someone else right and my goal was you know um it was always like you know i just want to go ahead and make some developers in the world and obviously as a side effect you have to sustain yourself it's only realistic so this was a perfect balance right it allows me to be you know have freedom allows me to kind of push what i need to do i work with my best friend on a daily basis and it's just been amazing and i think it's super important for the audience for you guys all to know that and sort of you know connect with me on that level and that's why i really do love this idea of a podcast the reactive entrepreneur is all about how i myself have overcome and reacted to the problems that we face like today i've you pretty much seen a roadmap of how we've you know dived over different things come over different obstacles and and my key piece of advice is like you know if i could tell myself my 18 year old self what i would have done differently i'd have started self-teaching way sooner right i wouldn't trust a degree or society to tell me that because again guys your future is in your hands don't ever believe that it's in the university's hands or you're entitled get rid of entitlement straight away it's going to save you a hell of a lot of headache I was super entitled when I came out of uni. I did this so I should get that. That's not what you should be thinking. You should be thinking doesn't matter if I did this, doesn't matter if I did that. My result at the end of it should be this. It doesn't matter how much that I put in. I just want to get to this end result. So let's put this into context for me. I want to get to a point where I can start helping people land jobs, transform lives and sustain myself enough so that I can go ahead and you know enjoy this and do this as a full-time career. So putting that into perspective, I had to work endless hours, way more than 9 to 5. I had to do everything it took, but during that journey, not once was I sitting there saying, I'm doing this, I'm not getting what I want. I'm doing all this effort and I'm not getting to the point that I said I'd get to. It was just a case of it didn't matter about the journey, it mattered about that result, that end goal. Right? And again, even that I started to transform my vision around that. It wasn't about the goal, it was about the journey, and it was about how I can constantly move past my goal, put systems in place that would allow me to keep on pushing in that direction, and then you start to come up with a lot more ideas. How can we continue to actually improve people's lives? How can we continue to inspire people? How can we continue to grow a community or a course that no one's ever seen before, right? How can I be different from every other Udemy course out there? It was all about how I can push my limits every single day for the rest of my life and enjoy it while I do it. This has been a crazy episode. It's all about, you know, my story, how I pretty much came up from being a broke university student, a failing startup, 
to a six-figure success story. And again, I don't like, I don't even like saying that because it's always a, a journey, right? It's not a success story. It's a journey which is ongoing, right? The journey wouldn't have been possible without any of you. That's everyone listening to this right now, watching my YouTube videos, being a part of the community. It's all because of you guys that I'm able to do what I do. So I'm forever grateful. And I would love and appreciate any feedback. So feel free to email us at papareact.team at gmail.com. And guys, it's just so much fun to be able to connect with you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'd love to do more things like this. So I think this is the perfect platform and community to do it on. And uh, as always, guys, it's your boy. And I hope you enjoyed this. Until next time. Peace, guys. Oh, and on that note, I'm actually going to end this on one more thing. If I knew what I knew now about where I would have got to, so like the Papa Fam and what we would be doing right now, what would I have told myself you know, way back before, you know, even when I picked up my first coding book, I, I put this as a, a challenge point because I had no answer prepped for this. And all I would say to that is, you know, just enjoy the process as you go. That means every single small win, every single thing that you do, make sure you enjoy it, celebrate every small, every single small, tiny win, because it gets so hard that you really do have to enjoy it to, to make it valuable remember it doesn't matter if your goal took 10 years to get to it it matters that you enjoyed every step of it and i actually found this amazing <laughs> quote in a book that i was reading and it was imagine you've got a line right like a line and you actually write this down that line represents 10 years of your life and at the end of it there is a goal right now would you you know like okay you you spend 10 years you get to that little dot right and do a dot at the end of that line that little dot would you, do you just want to celebrate that little dot or do you want to celebrate all, imagine you had tons of little dots on that line. Now, what would you rather do? Celebrate the one dot at the end or all these tons of dots along the way? All of those dots resemble happiness in your life. If you're not enjoying them, you're sacrificing 10 years of your life for a single dot, a single moment of happiness, which when you get there, you realize you should have enjoyed the entire journey the whole way. So that's what I would have told myself before. Thank you guys. Peace. If you enjoyed today's episode of the reactive entrepreneur then why not hit the subscribe or follow button we publish weekly episodes across all the major platforms like spotify apple and google if you're interested in learning to code feel free to check out my youtube channel sunny sanga where you can learn to build awesome powerful apps and react or even mobile apps with react native if you want to elevate to that next level then head over to paparreact.com and check out my flagship course zero to full stack hero Guys, I put my heart and soul into that course. We have over 350 members already. We have weekly coaching calls and over 100 hours of juicy coding content and modules for you to learn from. It's the ultimate place you want to be if you're going to crush it as a modern day full stack developer. Use code PODCAST10 for 10% off any membership. And as always, guys, this is your boy, Papa React, aka Sunny. We continue to grow together, learn together and succeed together. Until next time, Papa fam, peace.